0: up everyone welcome to debating metal i'm your host kenneth dean the dean of metal along with my co-host chris k today we're taking a trip once again back in time to the early 80s and the new wave of british heavy metal scene where this band's first two albums set the stage for an entire genre in 1978 jeffrey dunn's band guillotine changed
1: their name to dwarf star in 1979 after another name change he was joined by vocalist and bassist conrad Lant and drummer Anthony Bray, and this trio became the iconic classic lineup of Venom. They released their first single in 1981, which led to them getting the okay from the label to record their first full-length album. Recorded in just three days, Neat Records took the unfinished recordings and released them poor quality and all. The result was welcome to hell. Just a year later, Venom would release an iconic album that would inspire a brand new genre of
0: metal, black metal. Today, we're putting Venom's debut album, Welcome to Hell, song for song against its successor, Black Metal, to see which one is the better album. While both albums are considered influential, only one album can come out on top. And don't forget to stick around to the end where we give you our big four Venom songs. So we've been doing this show now, Chris, for the better part of three plus years, right? And... Is that right? <laughs> this, yeah. We started in 2020. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing to think about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but we have mentioned Venom in the past, when we, especially when we did the New Wave of British Heavy Metal series uh, several episodes ago. But in reality, we haven't really talked much about them. Um, and we haven't done the black metal episode that we keep promising, but we're going to get to it. We just have to feel like in a really happy mood, so we can can do the episode.
1: <laughs> so we can demolish it. <laughs>
0: so yeah. So we can. So then we can get all depressed all over again. Uh, <laughs> but Venom is a very interesting band, um, because in reality, if I'm not mistaken, they don't really believe their own hype. Um, they're not Satanists by any means. Um, even you know the original trio basically came out and, and said, you know, it was all basically to garner fans to garner, you know, to, to shock the, the shock and awe value of, you know, getting people's attention. It worked, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but in, you know, oddly enough, it created a genre. It's interesting to say, because it's kind of
1: like the same effect as black Sabbath, right? Where, They didn't start out as a metal band, but they influenced what would become metal. And, you know, uh, Venom's really the same. They were more of a a thrash band, punk even, uh, but they would come up with these concepts and adding more and more evil concepts into the music really established what would be black metal in the future. So this is contemporary of the time. You know, it's something that really hadn't been done, which is very interesting.
0: Right. And it what's funny, you know, like in the United States and, and and Canada as well, basically North America, speed metal was becoming the thing. But even at that point, it, you know, in 1981, it wasn't a thing yet. You know, Metallica was still in its infancy. Um, the Bay Area thrashing was still just, non-existent um i mean the hardest things that were out there were, were was probably motley crew when you think about it and then that wasn't even that hard uh you know talking about 1981 and so these guys you know, you heard Motorhead because I think it was Ace of Spades had, you know, an over the 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 song Overkill. They had this the quick pace to it. Overkill, especially with that sonic, you know, double double bass drumming that just kind of consistent throughout the whole song. It it obviously lent itself to what Venom would do. You know, a year later or so, and it's it's definitely influential. You know, listening to this for the last several weeks has been been pretty eye-opening in in some of the things, good and bad, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, I mean, I guess there's a lot of points to be made while we're kind of talking about the albums. so I'm going to kind of hold on to some of those
0: thoughts until then. Absolutely. Totally understand that. So that means let's get right into this. You know, like I like to do, I'm going to give a little bit of specs on the album, uh, a little bit of specs on the band and kind of thing here to there. Um, So we're going to start with Welcome to Hell. Uh, Welcome to Hell was released December 1981 on Neat Records and was uh, licensed in the United States by Combat. It was produced by Keith Nickel and Venom. Except the songs In League with Satan and Live Like an Angel, those were produced by Steve Thompson and Mickey Sweeney. Those two songs appeared on Venom's first single that was released in April of 1981. And the album was recorded at Impulse Studios in Newcastle, England. So after finding moderate success with their first single uh, for in league with Satan, you know, with the B-side Live Like an Angel, Neat Records gave the go ahead for the band to record their all their material. Those recordings were finished in 3 weeks time and Neat Records released them without any further production and thus Welcome to Hell was released. They were basically demos packaged as as, as a full-length album and when you listen to it you can tell it's not the best production in the world. Um All the songs were written by Venom. It's listed so it's weird. Wikipedia and and the album kind of says that it's recorded by or excuse me, uh, written by Venom, or basically Bray Dunn and Lant. But in reality, that Bray didn't really have anything to do with the songwriting. So it may have been they they gave him, you know, band credits like they'd like to do where they share all the all the publishing and stuff like that. Maybe for arranging, who knows? Uh, I, would, I would imagine it's probably something
1: like that. Like, you know, a lot of bands when they're early on will give everybody credit because they're members of the band. And then it's n- usually not until later where they go, well, I wrote everything, so I should get more money. You know?
0: When they get greedy and see, wait a second, that's a really big check and I did all the work.
1: <laughs> we talked about that with Nirvana. That's yes. what almost broke up their band, So,
0: Right. And real quick, um, so... I have the CD versions of these albums. Um, I actually have black metal and vinyl as well as CD. The CDs, uh, I have remastered versions from 2000, 2009, and um, they are they don't have any lyrics in them or anything like that. Actually, when you open the, the pamphlet, it just says it has all these combat releases that you can you know look into buying if you like this music or anything else. Uh, but there is an interesting thing on the back uh, of the – the liner notes. And so the first thing that you were exposed to as a fan or as someone who bought the album, it says, we're possessed by all that is evil. The death of you, God, we demand. We spit at the Virgin you worship and sit at Lord Satan's left hand to be continued. And for those of you who don't know who Venom are, Venom is Cronus uh, or Conrad Land. Uh, is his real name, and he's uh, he's listed as the bulldozer bass and vocals. Then there's uh, Mantis, who is otherwise known as Jeffrey Dunn. He's on chainsaw guitar dives, and Abaddon, or otherwise known as Anthony Bray, he's on drums and nuclear warheads. It's an interesting way to describe themselves for someone for 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 a band that really has you know very minimal exposure. For the most part, um, but anyhow, that's the way they they gave themselves. That that was their introduction to the world. So,
1: well, I mean, it, it's kind of fun. Like it's it's a oh you know oh we're we're destructive. We are you know uh,
0: you know it gets better on the second album. We'll go into that one later.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So what do you got? Let's go. Let's go over these songs. All right. So it
1: starts off with Sons of Satan um it's it's kind of a punky track that really gets venom's mo right out in front of you um you know it's a punk metal sort of anthem for the band in their early form you know talking about what they're all about you know it's rough again it's punk it's
0: expressing their love of evil what more do you want (laughs) i want more i want more yeah, uh, I mean, I came. I, I've got the same thing here. I mean, it, it it just jumps right into it. It wastes no time going straight into a thrashy speed metal kind of song, like you said, kind of punky. I got a motorhead vibe out of it, um, you know. And then right about a minute in, the tempo changes, and then the solo begins. Um, and then you know, the solo lasts for about a minute, and it picks up the speed again to the original tempo. This is, like you said, their introduction of who they are. This is very, very autobiographical song. You know and they're asking their fans to come along for the ride
1: yeah it's kind of in the same way like um you know iron maiden the song kind of tells who they are a lot of bands have that kind of the the that song it doesn't have necessarily have to be the title or you know titled the name of the band but it gets across like this is us right so it's a good way to start the album i think uh that goes into track two which is welcome to hell You got to wonder sometimes, like, did Motley Crue hear this song before writing Looks That Kill? Because there's (laughs) some definite similarities there. Um, Despite the subject matter, Strike has a really catchy main riff and chorus. It's interesting to kind of hear early occult music or early occult metal, uh, where it's, you know, it still has those, those dark elements, but it's still really catchy
0: the thing about this is, is that like, like, you know, I mentioned it, you know, at the beginning, these guys were doing it more for shock, you know, and, and all the, the the general shock value that they were trying to get and achieve, they did. So they didn't necessarily, you know, you know, after the show, it was, they took their stuff off, they went home they did their thing, you know? Um, so the music, it's kind of weird. Like the music doesn't necessarily, And I put this with the music, the lyrics and the way it's recorded and the way it's produced and the way it sounds um, definitely lend itself one way. But the music itself is so different. It is very, very basic. It is very blues oriented across the board. And so there's there's a dichotomy that's just kind of almost to some degree doesn't mix, but yet they made it work you know, and I like the song. This song is a really cool song. I mean, it's pretty much uh, a straightforward rocker, you know, it's got a really cool main riff and it's got a catchy melody, you know, it's catchy, yeah. catchy pre-chorus, catchy chorus. So it's a pretty cool song, you know, for, for, you know, into, as you're diving deeper into the, the dark side of, 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 uh, music and stuff like that, you know, and, you know, there's a, about a minute and a half in, there's a female voice that comes in, does a spoken word part. Um, so it it's it's a you know, they I could tell you what Jeff Dunn wrote some good music, and he obviously you could tell where his his background lies in terms of music songwriting and and uh Cronus. Conrad came up with some really cool lyrics and and had some really cool melody line. Melody. he had some cool mel melody line damn it (laughs) so there's there's something about them that's just very unique in in how they approached what they wanted to achieve and i like you know i give it to them i give them props they 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 did it and they gave themselves a good legacy
1: i i mean i agree i think it's almost jumping ahead to some degree like as far as like
0: well yeah by listening there, to this song you don't know all
1: that but yeah <laughs> you, there's a, there's a long way to go in developing their sound and no, right of course, at for this sure. point you know I think like you listen to the first black sabbath album and I and I feel like they nailed it other than even it would go even further in the direction of metal with the second album with paranoid but on that first album like songs like NIB songs like black sabbath they have they're still you know out of the 70s but they still have that evil vibe to them you know and right. i i feel like they nailed it whereas here there's there's kind of you're right there there's kind of a dissonance there where um they're catchy songs that are you know lyrically evil and they haven't quite meshed together yet like they haven't found what they would later find in their career um but it still works really well. Like you said, It it's, it, it's, it's fun to listen to, which is funny to say about songs about, you know, demons and, <laughs> you know, stuff, but you know, uh, it works. Right. Um, so that takes us into track three schizoid. Uh to me, this, this almost sounds like a misfits punk track. Like I could, I could hear Glenn Danzig singing on this if it wasn't by venom. Um, it's still got that kind of upbeat tone while the bass really shreds in the background. I really, uh, this was the first track that I noticed that where it's got that really heavy distortion in the background where, you know, the main riff is very kind of upbeat and it creates a really interesting sound. You know, it's a short, sweet song, um, pretty decent solo, uh, though. I wish like the solos were a little more audible. Um, You know, that's kind of a production issue.
0: But they're still good. Well, the the biggest thing I learned about the the production of this, besides the fact that it was just like, you know, in a flash, um, (laughs) it was, you know, they were recorded real quick. And then, you know, it was mixed real quick. And then, you know, it was basically taken out of their hands by the record company. But um, Conrad, you know, Cronus was actually working at the studio that they recorded the set and they were given free hours and basically uh, him begging like crazy to get the time. And so there was a trade off at some point. So Cronus was still working on his craft of, of being an engineer and all that. So it, it, it took some time, but he got it to some degree, you know, and, and, this you so see the guitar solos being way in the background it was almost like it was in another room is the way it sounds a lot of times <laughs> <Like, laughs> you know
1: like they had the guitarist in the closet you know?
0: <laughs> exactly um I mean I, I like the song this song's pretty catchy in a weird kind of way it's got a really bluesy riff really um if you listen to these songs you'll notice that they've they're their basic basic life is is a blues riff you know um the vocal melody on this is really good, and about a minute and a half in, it becomes just riff and Cronus, and that, that's a pretty cool little thing that they do in the middle of the song, and, and then you know goes into the solo and all that stuff. Um, I I think it's a pretty cool song. So, all
1: right, uh, that takes us into track four. Not much to say about this one, Mayhem and Mercy. Um, it's a cool minute long, kind of mood setting acoustic guitar. It's kind of an intro to Poison, but it's also just an instrument.
0: It's, it's unique. And, you know, even now, having listened to it all this time later, like I never heard this track when I was younger. I didn't listen to these albums much. I wasn't into the whole Satan thing, you know, um, but there were some songs that came out that caught my attention because they were actually catchy songs so i didn't listen to all the albums so when i listen to this now i'm like hey where this where'd this song come from and it's funny because it's a since it's the first album you don't know where this band is headed so having something like this on the first album not that it quote-unquote makes sense but it's not unusual because that's kind of what bands did you know they they gave different offerings of their instrumental stylings. <laughs> you want to put it like that. So this was a really interesting change of pace in the middle of the album, but it's, it's also a very strange acoustic song because there's this really, for the most part, a pretty acoustic interlude. And then there's this guy crashing gongs in the background. <laughs> you know, It's like, it seems out of place, but yeah. So.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, Prototypical of stuff that would be coming along later, I guess is a way to put it. So, they're still trying to find their footing in these kind of interesting interludes. That takes us into track five, Poison. Um, This, this, you said Motorhead earlier. This, to me, was the first one where I was like, this sounds a lot like Motorhead. Um, It's a pretty cool track. There's some interesting things going on in the rhythm section, but again, it's kind of hard to hear on the original release because the, the mixing is not great. But if you really listen, like if you, if you just kind of focus in on it, there's some really interesting stuff that's going on. Um, it slows down around the two-minute mark, which leads into another really good solo.
0: This, for me, is another straightforward rocker. It's a really simple song. Um, but it has a cool riff, but it does, you know, it does the job. You know it's a basic riff but it does a job and keeps the song cool um what i like about this song is it really doesn't um center around the satanic themes that they had been trying to imply in the the earlier songs where this one's more about sex in nature it's a sexual song um but you know there's still a a little evil bend to it you know (laughs) so
1: yeah i mean there's different themes through the songs where um you know, some are about the occult, some are about more realistic things, and then there's there's like even sexual-natured songs, which we'll talk about even more later. Um, but yeah, it's you know, for the most part, I think they kind of stay on one sub- subject. But I mean, in a couple tracks we'll be talking about another kind of sexually based song as well. so <laughs> righty. All right, so track six is Live Like an Angel, Die Like a Devil. Um, there are some melodic elements that I really like here that kind of put it above other tracks for me. Uh, the solo is really quite nice. Uh, the main riff is a bit repetitive, but it's not enough like where it overstays its welcome. It, it stays in its lane, and it, it stays entertaining throughout. I would say this is a really strong end to side A.
0: This is the song that reminds me the most of Motorhead. Although what it it reminds me of Motorhead is not necessarily about sound. It's just there's something about it that reminds me of Motorhead, including the production. Uh, But the difference is that Cronus doesn't play a distorted bass like Lemmy does. Um, So there's there's that to it. He has this rumbling in the background that really, you know, because there's only three instruments, you know, the drums, bass, and guitars, and it – Everything is so individual and it's easy to, to hear for the most part. Cause one, he does a good job of not, of not having one drown out the other. Yes. Um, I, I agree with you. I like the heart, that harmony solo at the beginning of the solo section. That's really nice. Um, so you know what I was getting at with motorheads for me, Venom was more motorhead. Than sex pistols when it came to like punky sound and, and you know because th- to me they like a combination it's like motorhead meets the sex pistols that's venom kind of but you know with satanic lyrics for the most part you know yeah, and exactly. and the difference is venom can actually play their instruments you know not like the sex pistols where you know some of the guys were learning it um you know the, i think the only really learned uh uh musician was steve jones um and then Eventually, uh, Glenn Matlock was a, was a good bass player. So, but anyhow, uh, that's Sex Pistols. That's another whole another story. Venom. You know, these three guys were actually pretty accomplished musicians. They just had their focus one certain way.
1: I would agree with that. Um, what I never, I didn't really make a, a connection to the Sex Pistols, but um, I can. I guess I can kind of see that.
0: No, it's not. Uh, it's not about you know. It's not about you know. Oh, they sound like the Sex Pistols. It's more about the punk side of it. The punk side, yeah. No, I get yeah, it. Yeah, that's
1: that's about it, really. Ex- except for I would not put uh, Sid Vicious anywhere, like in the in the conversation near these guys. No, no not at all. <laughs> all right. So, um, track seven is Witching Hour. Uh, you, so this is this is more of like a witchcraft kind of bass song. Um, you can tell this is the, the side B opener with the ambience leading into an even more distorted gu- guitar riff. Um, so you had mentioned that some of this was recorded
0: in different sessions. No. Um, Live Like an Angel and Die Like a Devil and In League With Satan were recorded in, or earlier in the year and released as mm. a single. Okay. And then they went in to do the rest of, you know, they got permission to do all the songs that they had in their repertoire. But when they took the, when they took the music, when Neat Records took everything, they just basically put Live Like an Angel and, and, and In League With Satan. They just took the original release and they put it on this album. So, there's just, there, so everything else other than those two songs have a slight different sound. So what's weird is the side B
1: sounds drastically different than side A
0: like it just the
1: the quality's not the same the the guitar solos are more audible and it's very recognizable on this track um it it sounds like maybe maybe this was recorded on the first day and the other stuff was recorded on the third day or something cuz <laughs> cuz <'Cause, laughs> it really is very different um it's i would say more archaic like than than what you hear on side A um, it de- definitely carries the mood over. Um, but yeah, the, the solo to me really stood out because it was more audible.
0: And, and besides being more audible, it's actually got some good finger work. It's a good solo. I mean, he does some nice finger tapping at the beginning of the solo. So that's, that's really, so he's showing off his skills there. And that, and that's really a, a pretty neat thing for this particular song and time period that they're that that we're in for this for this uh for for venom you know Mm -hmm. and i agree with you you know the the song does start off kind of you know ambient it's got some rain it's got some bass chords going off and you know it, it almost actually if you listen carefully it actually sounds like it's a record playing so i don't know if that's actual scratching from a record or a sound effect that they added or if that's part of the rain sound that's going in there that they hear or that might have been where, the, where they got the sound from may have been a record that just had scratches on it. So that's kind of a weird thing, how this, this added piece had that sound, like if it was from a record. Yes, I agree. Um, but I, you know, anyways, I mean, there's not a lot of lyrics on this one, but it's got a cool riff. So it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting way to start the, the second side. Agreed.
1: Um, so track eight is One Thousand Days in Sodom. Uh, so if you're familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, this is kind of what that's about. Um, Sodom being, um, you know, kind of a hedonistic um, society. Um, the So the recurring riff is not bad, but aside from the instrumentation, I mean, this is a really funky solo, like super funky. Um, other than that, it feels like more standard punk um but i wonder like i i really thought about it while i'm listening to it and if you think about like 70s adult films (laughs) the the funky kind of music that would play Mm -hmm. this this has that kind of aspect to it and i wonder you know it being about you know sodom if it it was like a, a thought process they had in putting this kind of, um, you know, sexual kind of sounding music in there.
0: So knowing who Venom are, for the most part, the three guys that make up this band at the time, you know, you think back about it and you like, eh, probably most likely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I don't know. For me, this is a, you know, it's a mid-tempo rocker, almost sludgy to a degree, but not really. It's Mm kind of weird to say it that way. Um, You know, for what Venom had established so far, this is kind of a sludgy song in, you know, up to this eighth song on the album. Um, It's got a catchy chorus, but it's actually a little bit more complex. It has varying speeds throughout the song. Uh, It kind of has like a bass solo kind of breakdown uh, that leads into the guitar solo. Uh, You know, it's almost like if when you listen to the song, it's almost like telling their critics that they're just a little bit more than just three guys who sing about Satan. They're they're showing off to these to their critics that they are musicians, and it's also one of the longer songs in the album because everything is like really quick.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It's got that punk aspect to it where the songs are kind of short, um, but yeah, this one is more of a fully fleshed out track. All right, so track nine is Angel Dust. It's a bit more chaotic and is, which is kind of fitting because it's about drug use. It's got one of the, the few screams on the album, which is kind of interesting, where he's got more of a, like a, a growl to his vocals throughout, but this one he does kind of that metal scream a couple times. Um, it's got some co- complexity in the chord structure that's kind of s- somewhat hidden by the distortion. But if you really take a listen to it and focus on it again, um, you can hear some interesting things going on with the instrumentation.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, parts of the song, that the chorus, kind of leaves something to be desired because it just, is you know, it's a line leading up yeah. to the word "angel dust." You know, so it's kind of weird. Um, it's definitely a speed metal song. You know, when you think when you think about what came in. After it, as far as speed metal was concerned, you, you can see that this is like the genesis of that. Um, but the cool thing about this song for me, I was listening to it and like that, those first few seconds, maybe within the first five, six seconds or something like that, I almost felt like it was the mob rules riff, yes, but then it quickly changed. So I thought it's that was pretty, very, cool. yeah, yeah, exactly. There's,
1: there's actually a song on the next album that does the same thing, which is kind of interesting. So it's apparently something they just have that, uh, an affinity for. All right. So in track 10, uh, in league with Satan. So this march leads off with some backmasking reading, just shy of a John Moxley promo. Satan raised in hell. I'm going to burn your soul, crush your bones. I'm going to make you bleed. You're going to bleed for me. I would hear John Moxley saying that. So if you're a fan of AEW, this is probably a song for you um (laughs) it's more about mood than anything and is honestly kind of like a just a simple march with a you know repetitive you know vocal track it's fine like it's it's interesting and i think it's kind of like one of those anthems that's synonymous with the band but it's pretty simple
0: yes it is simple. It's a very catchy chorus. It's a, it's a, it's not a fast song, but it's very steady, um, and like you said, repetitive, but not in a bad way. Um, the solo is more like a haunting whine than actual individual notes. Um, real heavy effect on Cronus's vocals uh, to kind of give it that haunting depth to it. Um, so this is actually considered. By many people to be the first black metal song so that's an interesting part to this song too um especially you know obviously you have the back you know the backward message at the beginning you know the the tribal drums it's just i guess because you know the the song chants about being in league with satan that's what kind of gave it the the birth to black metal
1: Uh, i kind of struggle with that because i i read the same thing and i and i thought like yeah i guess just being that it's written by venom and it's the first song that they really put out there i guess that i can see that but i also see other songs in their catalog fitting more in vain with the black metal aesthetic so it's kind of strange to say that like it'd, it'd be like saying black sabbath is the first metal song when i don't feel like that's a metal song Right. And
0: I I agree. I mean, I I understand where you're coming from with that concept and having listened to some of the stuff that mayhem did, you know, when they first on their first album, which came out after the band broke up because of someone's death, (laughs) it's, it's just kind of so weird. Um, Anyhow. uh, So I, I get that idea to it. So, but I, I think really what they're trying to get at with that is just because this came out first, this was the first song that Venom released And the fact that it had a chant and it was about Satan, that's where, you know, it's the birth. So it's almost like, you know, walk before you run type of thing. So this is a song that's walking. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the black metal bands ran, you know. So that's kind of where I get where I, I can see that coming from because it was released first and no one else had really done anything like that drastic.
1: Yeah, that's fair. All right, that takes us into the final track of the album, Red Light Fever. The Moon Riff is pretty cool. It's again got that kind of motorhead feel, uh, but much darker tone. It's got this strange, noisy solo that creates a rather evil sound. I think it's a pretty decent closer. Uh, That by this time, I mean, the, the albums aren't complete or very long per se, but when you've got 11 tracks, sometimes it starts to feel a little bit tiresome. Um, by this point, I kind of feel that way, but it's still a decent closer to end that.
0: Like, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. No, I get, I get, I get where you're coming from there. Um, this is a weird song in that it begins with a fiddle, you know, and some guy asking someone asking a question, but, um, you know, it quickly goes into its song. Um, it's got, it's a crunchy riff that begins the music part, you know, and again, this is a, a non Satan song. It's more sexual in nature. So there was a lot more sex involved in this particular album. And know, was, there were still venom still trying to find their satanic way, <laughs> but mm-hmm. they had, they had, <laughs> it had to start somewhere. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, Yeah. So I, I agree with you. This is one of those songs that, yeah, it's, it's a decent closer. And, you know, we have now experienced the first venom album.
1: Yeah, it was quite the experience. I'm, I'm uh, Up to this point, I've heard certain songs. I've never been really super familiar with Venom, but it was kind of an interesting experience. I mean, uh, for me, I could, like, reading up on it before I really started doing my review of it, um, you know, I could kind of tell as I was listening which tracks were penned by Mantis and which tracks were penned by Cronus. So basically, they both brought in songs this album and then they sat together and they reworked them into being cohesive songs for this band and um you know reworked the, the lyrics etc but you could still feel that there was a little bit of like this guy wrote this stuff and this guy wrote this stuff um yeah i could see that so, so you can tell they're really on to something they're like they, this is the beginnings of something bigger uh, but they're still kind of wading in the waters of punk and thrash. Uh, they do definitely as we mentioned many times like they have this kind of space in between Motorhead and more punkish bands cuz I know Lemmy has said like he, he they are punk at times etc like but Motorhead still had a very distinct sound and so so does Venom. They 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 really set themselves apart from their contemporaries and this is a this is a really solid start to doing something like that. You know, it's very lo-fi. It's very um, low production, but that really even kind of is to their benefit to some degree. And and the people that would be inspired by them definitely, you know, took that into account. Yeah,
0: they, they kept the trend going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, you know, and I, I totally agree with everything you said there. You know, the, the funny thing about the comparison between them and motorhead. I mean, if you think about it, Motorhead uh had a particular sound, Venom had a particular sound, they're very similar in sound, but Motorheads is more kind of distorted and just stripping away the bass. So mm-hmm. the bass that Lemmy played was was played through a distorted amp. The guitars were were really um stripped away of any kind of low end so it was a lot of a lot of mid-range, a lot of high end on the guitar sound. Yeah. That was that was Motorhead's sound. This is a little different than that. This is like you said, you, you nailed it when you said lo-fi, because you can hear the distinct sound of the bass and it's rumbling. So there's but there's no bass sound. You know, it's kind of weird to say it that way. Like there's no yeah, like, I mean, there's no bottom end to it, but it's yeah. not because he's playing distorted, he's just there's no bottom end. The guitars.
1: I mean, like you almost wouldn't think it's it's a bass. You'd think it's a guitar when you. Right. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So, and then you know, and then the drums were just kind of a little thin, and that's just a lot to do with you know a new, uh, a low budget recording is more than anything else, and the same thing with the guitars. Yeah. Except, except you know, they put Jeff in a in another room and close the door and said, "Play your guitar (laughs) as loud as you can." Oh man!
1: Oh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right. So basically a year later, um Venom uh releases their second album, um Black Metal, uh released in November of 1982 once again on Neat Records Combat in the US, again produced by Keith nickel and Venom. Um this time they, there's a credit or information is out there that that Conrad Cronus actually mixed the album. Um and it was recorded in the same studio Impulse Studios in Newcastle, England and mm-hmm. It was recorded in just seven days. That's recording. That's not um, all the mixing and everything like that. So I think it was another three or four weeks um, total. So um, for what it's worth, this production on on this album is definitely more advanced. We're not talking this is sonically great, but it's definitely more more advanced than the previous one. Right. Um, And once again, the the songs are written by the band um, or at least credited that way. And the credits as listed for Venom is Cronus on the Dinosaur Destroyer bass and vocals, Mantis on Chainsaw Guitars, actually Chainsaw Guitars, only one guitar, (laughs) and Abaddon, oddly enough, he's not playing drums. He's the 123 Inner City Express. So I don't know what that means. That sounds like a wrestling (laughs) tag team. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It's not the Rock and Roll Express. It's the Inner City Express. <laughs> uh, so that that was the way it was listed. It's really uh, interesting. Uh, and as I noted before, on the back of the the, the liner notes, um, they had a, a, a little paragraph or something like that. They did it again on black metal. And this time it says, we drink the vomit of priests, make love to the dying whore. We suck the blood of the beast and hold the key to death's door to be continued. Um, so they obviously now they have this running theme between their albums. Um, so they're, they're at least they understand continuity or the concept of continuity. So anyway, let's get on with black metal. Their second album from venom. Album opens with the title track, black metal. Um, this is the song that created an entire genre. Um, it's a catchy tune. It's got a killer riff. Um, it's hard to hear because it's distorted. I mean, the song begins with uh, a chainsaw hitting steel plates, and it's extremely distorted sounding. So you run, you can't really tell what it is until you you know you read about it. Um, but it's a catchy song for the most part. Real simple but effective chorus, and you know the best part about the song is this, the line that says "Lay down your souls to the gods, rock and roll." You know it. It's what else can you do? I mean, that's a great, a great line all by itself. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, like so. Despite
1: like what you said, like despite the the lo-fi production, this already sounds so much better. You know, um, there's an aspect of the vocals being more clear and pushed forward while still having that heavy reverb on it that creates a really distinct sound. I, I think, you know, with the first one, obviously it was very rushed production. They didn't have the time to put together really, like, an established sound. It feels like this was more thought out. And, uh, and it's already got a, a new vibe to it, a new, like... Uh, mood um it feels less punk more thrash metal and like you said the the uh, chorus is very cool like that that line you know lay down your soul to the god rock and roll um you know it's it's kind of cheesy at this point in time but i i think at the time it probably even was a stronger
0: chorus to say you know oh for sure i mean And you think about all the cheese that was, you know, uh, put out there in the 80s, Mm -hmm. this one, you know, as much as everyone, you know, considered Venom to be a joke, a lot of people, the fans didn't. So that's the the thing that really sparked a lot of, you know, back and forth between the fans and critics and stuff like that. And this was their their rallying cry, you know. It's
1: not a whole lot different than Black Sabbath. You know, we sold our souls for rock and roll. You know, it's it's and I'm not saying it's derivative in any way, I'm just saying like it still has that same kind of impact. And a band that was taken more seriously, like Black Sabbath, um I don't see why this would be any in any way a joke, you know, but I guess it's just how people are.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think in general it had a lot to do with the fact that they were coming across as you know these sexual perverts that you know believed in satan <laughs> and, that, and as opposed to black sabbath there was a there's obviously a distinct difference so we'll just leave it at that so we don't yeah. get too too far into into black sabbath but black sabbath didn't didn't uh wallow in satan too much in reality no, where the, these guys just dove head first so oh, anyhow for sure. <laughs> exactly so anyhow that leads us to song number two to Helen back uh it's got a cool opening riff but then it gets drowned out by that by a really groovy bassline. when you think about it and then then the two come together and they kind of just chug along together throughout the rest of the song um there's a decent melody in, in the in the verses the chorus is very simple but effective and the guitar solo stands out so the reason why the guitar solo stands out because it's literally standing out it is pushed so forward in the mix that it is uh, way above. Like I I heard, I hear mixes like that at live shows when, you know, you want to highlight the guitar player and the guy puts the spotlight on a guy and he, and the guitar player stands in the middle of the stage and they crank his, his volume on the PA so that everyone can hear the solo. And then they bring it back down when he gets to playing normal. That's almost the same effect that's happening here, but not that drastic but it is definitely way above the rest of the mix and until it goes back into the regular part of the song.
1: Yeah. To me, this is the most unique song I've heard from them thus far. Um, You know, it does something different with this kind of tongue in cheek yet darker tone. Uh, There's a lot of confident attitude and the solo feels less punk and more just moody and evil. This this to me is is a defining song for Venom. Like it, it takes them to a different place than they
0: were before. Definitely. I mean, when you think about what we just listened to technically on the first album, this is this is uh, you know the maturity shows. Mm-hmm. Put it, put it that way. All right, song number three, Buried Alive. So this one's an interesting one, because it's really Not a song, but it is kind of like a prelude, but it has a song effect to it at the end. Um, You know, a song starts with the audio of a preacher offering the burial prayer, and then you hear sounds of dirt being shoveled. So the assumption is that dirt is being shoveled onto a casket or into a grave, whatever you want to think it is. Um, Then it leads to a spoken word passage that's followed by the main portion of what is the rest of the song per se. Um, So, you know, the lyrics are very direct. It's a a relatively accurate portrayal of what it feels like to be buried, you know, or put in the coffin and buried alive. Um, But it's not a song per se where you have this long drawn out, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, guitar solo, verse, chorus thing. Um, You know, so it's more of an intro to the next song. And that's the way I look at it.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, I I do feel like it's its own song, but at the same time, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, to add to what you said, so it do, it does start with the, the creepy reading of the common prayer, uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, um, which is funny because it's actually repeated in the next song. Um, so maybe it is, they are connected in that way. Um, but, you know, it, it, you, said, you said it goes into spoken word. It's even, it's even more broken down because it's like, it's heavy breathing and then, (laughs) and then like a whispering vocal line. So they're definitely trying to appeal to like the horror uh, aspect of it. Right. Um, You can, you can definitely see, like, this is one of the tracks where I go, okay, I see where black metal was, was looking, you know, they were, they they pulled their inspiration from this track. you know, less so on others, but definitely on this one. And there's this kind of, like, psychedelic solo. It reminded me of, like, 70s interpretations of, like, going to hell. You know, watching movies where, you know, a character might die or something like that. Or or go on some kind of drug trip where it would, it would be a journey to, to the dark side or something. You know, like, that's what it felt like when I was listening to it. So yeah, it's a very interesting track still in line with like what we're hearing with black metal and to, to hell and back. And I I think it's pretty cool.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting for sure. I mean, the the muffled guy at the beginning almost sounds like his head's in the pillow and he's trying, trying to say the prayer. It's so creepy. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, But the song goes straight into raise the dead, which is song number four. Um, To me, this is, Again, another Motorhead type song for me, a totally traditional blues-based song. Um, you know, it's got a sing-along chorus to it, and you know, solo is really raw sounding. And again, pushed up in the mix. Um, Stop and go chorus at the end is kind of a nice touch. You know, you know them chanting "Raise the Dead" and all that stuff. So it's it. It's got there's a lot of cool aspects to the song. I, I think it's pretty cool. So it, it does feel
1: a little more punkish than the previous songs on the album. Um, but it's got this, like, Black Sabbath wishing well kind of guitar work. Uh, which kind of accents the end of each phrase in the song. So it's, it's, it is it's really cool. And yes, like, I do see how, um, because it just goes straight into it, it, it is also, like, where um, Buried Alive is, sorry. Yeah. Buried Alive is the, the intro
0: to this. They do link well together. So it's very cool. The, the, the funny thing, and, and I'll talk, I'm going to talk about it too in, in teacher's pet. The whole thing about the motorhead connection for me is obviously throughout their entire career, Lemmy would introduce the band. You know, we're motorhead. We play rock and roll. They never mm-hmm. said they played metal. They never said they played thrash They never played said that they played, uh, hard rock, uh, They were never anything other than a rock and roll band.
1: We are Motorhead and we play
0: smooth jazz. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, they were straight. So their roots were planted firmly in that Elvis style, 50s style rock and roll. And so is Venom, which is odd to, to understand that they're not this very complex band. And so my point being is part of raise the Dead" is like that for me, but even more so when we listen to song five teachers, pet um, starts off with a ring around the rosy little guitar lick at the beginning. It goes for about a minute and 15 seconds. And then it literally turns into a straight traditional blue song, a la Willie Dixon, BB King and those kinds of, Blues players. I mean, it is literally a blues song. And it goes like that for another minute and 15 seconds. And then it goes back to what you know, the, the the song is, except they have a bunch of drunk guys chanting in the background at, at some point. And then out goes the song. It's a cool song, but it's so, to me, it's out of place because it, it has that minute and 15 seconds worth of straight Stevie Ray Vaughn style blues, you know, it's so
1: weird. Yeah, it, to me it it doesn't fit the album at all. No, uh, not at all. It's more like an evil version of a Steel Panther track for half of the 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 track, but then it becomes like you said, Stevie Ray Vaughan blues. And and I'm just like what am I listening to? You know, what what's going on here? What why why have almost two different songs in one song? Like in the in the lyrics they don't fit what's gone to this point. We were four tracks in, uh, I mean, this, this being the fifth track, but we've listened to four tracks that are all about, you know, buried alive, raised the dead to hell and back, you know? And then, and, and then, you know, I, I, I was masturbating under my desk and I'm like, what the hell am I listening to now? You know, <laughs> like what? what I, I don't know. I didn't like this track at all
0: yeah it was i mean it goes back to that the the sexual innuendo from the first album But you that's know? not even innuendo it's just no it's, it's straightforward <laughs> 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 all right we go to the next song song number six we're back in hell so it's uh leave me in hell so this one speedy song you know it's a speedy chugger Riff sounds like something off, again, a Motorhead album. Go figure, right? Uh, Chorus is a little cheap to me. It's not a good chorus, but the rest of the song is actually pretty cool. Um, About one minute and 35 seconds into the song, the song slows down with a riff that's very similar to the riff to At War With Satan. And then the the song slows down, and then the, the solo comes on. And it's got a pretty good solo. So it's weird because this is not the first time. Well, well, this is the first time during this album, and it happens again where you hear a riff that you will hear again at the end of this album and then again on the next album. So it's it's very interesting that that, this riff is kind of like roaming around the album.
1: Yeah, it, it is a reoccurring concept that keeps appearing. Um, you know i I do definitely like this better than teacher's pet, um, uh, but it feels more like some of the stuff that would be that would have been on the last album. um, you know it's pretty cool sounding riff um, but it it feels like it really strayed from that moody, kind of creepy first half of the album so it it's it's not bad. It's definitely a step up from Teacher's Pet. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, uh, teacher's Pet just seems like it's just so out of place, you know. But, um, you know, so like I said, we're, we're back in hell. So, you know, leaving in Hell was was definitely should have been after Raise the Dead. Yeah, should have been track five. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we get to track seven, which is Sacrifice. Um, this song is a very new wave of British heavy metal riff to it. Um, but because it sounds so crappy and it's kind of a little muddy <laughs> a little bit, it loses that clarity. That's like a lot of these bands that were in a new wave of British heavy metal they're even though it was low-fi recording and it wasn't even that low-fi, it was just, just the style that they had. But the riffing was so, cr- I was going to say crystal clear. The riffing was so clear that you know, the guitar work was really good. This one, it's you got another guitar player who's really good, but it, this one just muddied it a little bit on the production of it and it lost that effect. But you could hear it, you know, if you're paying attention. Um, the verses are up tempo, it's very quick paced, you know, and then the chorus slows it down. Um, so, what I didn't like about this song was that it was spelling out the word sacrifice. I'm like, eh, I don't need help spelling. Okay, that that to me just kind of prolongs something that I I don't need to have prolonged.
1: So you don't like <laughs> uh, <make> R E S P
0: E C T. That <laughs> one was done better, you know. I don't. I, I'm going to sit there and say it that way. That one was done better. <laughs> but even that, you know, it makes you think too much. You know, you're not supposed to be thinking. Well, supposed to be enjoying. <laughs> How did, what, what song what, where did he try to spell <laughs> so anyway um and this song again is where the at war with Satan riff shows up again uh after the solo so that's it, it's almost like a prelude to what's coming a few songs later it's kind of interesting
1: um yeah so this is a lot heavier and sludgier than some of the other kind of punk tracks that are on the album you know it's darker more attitude i think it's got a better riff um, it's really a step up from the last two tracks and <clears throat> sorry. And the, the solo really fits the song. So I think it's a pretty strong song overall. I didn't mind the, uh, spelling out sacrifice thing as much. Didn't, didn't really phase me. Um, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but it, it didn't bother me.
0: That, that's kind of what threw it off for me. It was it, it that, I mean, look, I'm already listening to a, like a giant bag of mozzarella cheese on this, on these two albums. I didn't need to have like you know cheddar thrown in there on top of it. <laughs> anyway, but it, it was a very cool riff. I did like it because it had that new album, new wave of British heavy metal, however you want to call it, uh, feel to it. But it was just muddy. I felt I felt the production kind of hurt this song. Where gotcha. better produc- better production would have probably done this song wonders. Anyhow, song number eight, Heaven's on Fire. And no, we're not talking about the Kiss song because that song didn't come out for a few more years. Um, this is a you know prototypical speed metal song, uh, and it's got a cool lick at the end of the main riff. So it's 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 this is a jam. Uh, I like this song, and it, it's you know for being such a speedy song, it's got a really good groove to it, and I think that that really stands out for me.
1: This track steps up the pace; feels a bit heavier than somewhat stuff in the middle. Um, definitely a little boring to me, honestly, which is kind of sad. Um, how do you get bored on a speedy song? Because <laughs> It's so repetitive. Yeah, it is. It, it repeats the same riff over and over again. It doesn't really make any strong variations. I can see this, this really appealing to speed metal fans. Uh, you know, if, if you're a fan of say Raven or something like that, but for me, it just didn't do it for me.
0: I hear you. I hear you. All right. Song number nine Countess Bathory. Now, here's a funny thing. For, let's say, uh, this song, this album came out in 1982, right? And I would say probably for the next 30 years, maybe, I thought that said Countless (laughs) Bathory. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, uh, it it was, it was something I was reading. And then I, 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 you know, obviously the song bath or uh, the band Bathory, And then I saw this song and I'm, and then I'm looking at the spelling. I'm like, did they leave an L out? I'm like, what the hell? And then I read something about how this is supposed to be about the, the woman. And I'm like, oh shit, that says countess. (laughs) So. Wow. Yeah. And it's even funny. Like I'm singing along to this, you know, when I was younger and then, I didn't even put two and two together as I bang my microphone again. I I didn't even put two and two together, but you know, when you're trying, you're listening to something shitty on shitty headphones, because back then I was piss broke as a kid. um, It sounded like countless, but anyway, Countess Bathory has got a really cool riff. Um, It's got some, what I like about this song a lot is the drumming on this song. This is, you know, Phil Rudd, straightforward, get your groove is he's in the pocket on this one and the the you know it, it keeps cronus in the pocket because yeah obviously cronus is playing bass so he's got to follow along with the groove and because he's a singer now he's got that groove going with the vocals so this song really to me is, is shows a lot of depth um it the chorus lends itself to like a, a concert you know sing along type song um, the solo is unique, but it's not really a solo per se. It's more like a plucking of a melody for a few measures, and that's it. Um, you know, this song almost seems like the band paid more attention to it. It's like, so th- th- all the times that we've talked about how a band will go into the studio and there's, there's that one song that they work on really hard because it's going to be their single, this is that song for for Venom on this album
1: yeah i i would agree um for me like this is what i've been kind of waiting for since the first half of the album since those first four tracks um you know black metal bands had to have pulled tons of inspiration from this track i mean obviously um you know bathory the band uh would have named themselves after countess bathory like you said but I I wonder if you know you hearing a song called Bathory, you go, oh, yeah, that's badass. You know, um, th- there's there's something about this track. Like it's just darker. It covers a real murderer. I mean, Countess Bathory murdered hundreds of girls in Hungary in the late 1500s. Ter- tortured them. You know, there there's she's really sick serial killer. Of course, only men are serial killers, but um,
0: Lizzie Borden,
1: yeah so uh
0: she wasn't really a serial killer she just killed her parents or some shit like that
1: true but you want evil like this is real evil like so i think it's a it's it's such a subject that it created a strong presence about the song as well so it it works really well i think for you know like i said kind of after that track four i feel like this is right back on track
0: to those early. Uh, songs that that created that evil mood right totally agree all right so song number 10 don't burn the witch um at this point for me i'm starting to get this venom burnout <laughs> um this is a pretty cool riff to open the song it's got a really cool main riff for the most part at this point i'm just you know i've heard so much of this that it's it's cool song I don't have a lot to say about it it's it's to me, it's almost like a filler track, but but it's not bad. It's just i' I've heard it before, kind of thing
1: so i I think it's one of the stronger tracks, but I get where you're coming from. There's that album fatigue where when it goes too long, it can start to like you're you're bored of it, right? so I think it's a solid closer for the album. Again, it's kind of carrying the heavier punk sound that, that I would say, you know, heavens on fire and sacrifice kind of carried over. Um, It's got a memorable riff and it feels like a mosh pit song to me. Like I, when I heard this, I was thinking like, this is the mosh pit song. Um, You know, in lieu of a true guitar solo, Basically, the guitar just adds another layer to the melody, and you know it's, it, you know it's, I think it's a pretty good track overall. You know, the if there wasn't that stuff in the middle like Teacher's Pet and you know maybe Leave Me in Hell, I I think I would be happier if this was an eight track album where you know it goes straight from Buried Alive to, or no, I'm sorry, it goes straight from Raise the Dead to Sacrifice. And then through the rest of this, and I think it would have been like a, as solid as you know Slayer's best albums. But for me, it's that kind of middle point in there where it really detracted from the album, and even hurts the later songs, which are really good, by maybe being a little bit too long. Even though the run time isn't too long, you know, there's just too many songs, maybe.
0: But wait, there's more. <laughs> kind of. Right, kind of. There's one more song to go. Um, and this is the at war with Satan preview song. Um Cronus had this idea for an album coming up, and he 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 he's banking on the fact that he's gonna have a third album put <laughs> for the most part. Um, but he has this entire concept album ready to go. Um, so they recorded um Basically, uh, the intro, or what would essentially be the intro to a song that was 20 minutes long, took up an entire side on their next album. Um,
1: (laughs) 20 minutes, yeah. 21 minutes,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's it's a long song. So the intros, uh, the song intros with a spoken word passage with a lot of echoing and painful moaning and groaning along with a bunch of undiscernible chants that are going on in the background. Um, You know, and Cronus has really, you know, he's got this... He doesn't have a, like a Orson Welles deep voice, but he has that deep tone. Um and uh so he's he's saying whatever lines he's saying, and you know, it, it it almost feels like you're in a dungeon. That's the way it's supposed to feel. Um and then it it all of a sudden, you know, you you get to this and dan and it goes into this really galloping baseline. and then it, the riff comes in, the whole band comes in and they just start chugging along. It's a really cool galloping riff. Um, they begin to, or Cronus begins to sing. You only hear maybe two lines of the verse. as about 15
1: seconds of it. On yeah. It.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, and it's, I mean, the verse that he's singing, it's got a catchy melody. So you, you're getting something and you're like, damn, that's, a, that's like the ultimate thing. Like, I wish, to some degree, other bands would have used a very similar technique. The problem is that a lot of bands in, in I guess it would say, in major labels, don't have the guarantee that they're going to make another album. This is a small, little, tiny, independent label in the middle of England. So he And he was basically running his own studio time because he was working for a studio. So he kind of had this concept. He knew what he was doing going into his third album. And that doesn't come out for another year and uh, year and a half or so. So it's interesting. Um, I, I think it's a pretty cool way to get fans riled up for something that you just bought a brand new album and now you, you're getting the fans excited for your next album. It's, it's a pretty cool concept. So I only had one line
1: that I wrote. This is the Avengers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the promo. outro after the credits. <laughs> after credits promo. For the next album, (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's cool. Like it, it, it's enough to get you interested, but um, you know, it's only a little small fraction of a twenty-one minute epic. So, it's it it is a cool concept. I've I'd never seen something like that before.
0: I've never seen it before or since. So, interesting. Um, a real a a quick tidbit on. These Both these records, or both these albums, Black Metal, so the CD that I have has three extra songs that were literally interspersed throughout the album. So it wasn't like they were bonus tracks that were added at the end. Um, I had Acid Queen, Bloodlust, and Die Hard. Acid Queen and Bloodlust actually were consecutive songs, five and six. So they took the place of, they, they came before Teacher's Pet. Interesting. And then Die Hard came in after at war with Satan. And then for welcome to hell. My CD has two songs called in one in nomina C- Satanus and bursting out, which I've heard those songs before, but it's, it's just weird how this in the CD doesn't mention anything about bonus tracks. The CD doesn't mention anything about added on. It's just almost, almost like, yeah, we're going to put these songs on here and here you go. Have fun. So, yeah,
1: it's so, I read like there's, and there's the 2002 CD reissue, which has a bunch of extras, and then the 2009 remastered version. That, that's what I have, the 2009 remastered. Mm, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of extras.
0: It goes from 11 tracks
1: to 22.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's not the 2009 version. That's the 2002 one. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I was like, wow, that's a lot, you know, and it's funny because they list the 2009 and they list them as like 21 and 22, but it's actually, uh like 11 and 12 or whatever it is 12, or 12 and 13 i guess right so anyhow for black metal um cronus's better experience with the studio really shone through on this album um it still had a raw sound but i think that's what he was trying to achieve he got what he wanted um there's a lot more studio effects on this album that added to the sound. It added to the depth of the album um, and then still keeping a, a, a raw sound. So, obviously, this album's a step up in terms of production, but at the same time, he's keeping it a, a lo fi style production. I, I think it's a pretty good album.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can see the band has matured quite a bit um, in their production, like you said. But it's more along the lines of just knowing that pocket of how they want to sound, not necessarily, you know, like, because the, the guys in Mayhem, for instance, you know, very famous uh, black metal band, intentionally recorded in the way they did because they wanted it to sound cheap. They wanted it to sound lo-fi. And so it, you can hear from later recordings that sound much more um, quality in production that it's not because they are bad at what they do, it's just because that's what they wanted to achieve. Well, Venom definitely did the same thing here. There's there's a better quality of production that gets the, the mood that they're trying to portray across. Um, for the most part, I think they... They really hit it well, like songs like Black Metal, To Hell and Back, uh, Buried Alive slash, you know, Raise the Dead, Countess Bathory. I think all of those really elevated them to the next level in being something different than everyone else. And there's just, there's a, it's like, it's such a step up in that capacity. It doesn't necessarily make it a better album, but it, it makes them more defined as Venom
0: yes definitely the the whole define defining who they were definitely happened on this album mm-hmm. all right so between the first album and the second album which one are you picking
1: um you know honestly i think i i pretty much just black metal um even though it has that kind of middle section which i didn't like uh for the most part i think it's a much more cohesive album it it really is more defined in the characteristic of who they would be um and it has some tracks that are really iconic the black metal to hell and back and countess bathory to me were all really strong tracks where i i struggled to find as much that i thought was as strong to me on welcome to hell so for the most part i think black metal is just a better album and
0: in this particular case i agree with you um is definitely a step up definitely has more of a focus as to where they're headed as a band and and you know obviously you could tell there was different you know there were sexual songs in the first album there were satanic songs in the first album and it's like which way are we going here are we going to just be you know perverted or are we going to be satanist type of thing you know and this one, even though they threw in Teacher's Pet, this one was more focused on being on the dark side of things, and and it works. It worked well for them, in, you know, on black metal, obviously created a genre. And they were more, like you said earlier, it's less punk and more thrashy speed metal. And that's mm. they they definitely changed lanes and went in a certain direction. So I, I give it to black metal as well. All right. All right. Well. That is, that's our head to head for black metal versus welcome to hell or welcome to hell versus black metal. Now it is time for our big four, which is our big four venom songs. Um, let's see. I believe last week, uh, I went first last week, I think on the song. So I think it's your turn to go first. Okay. No, 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 no. Hold on. Wait a second. I'm going to go first. All right, screw it. You go first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you said it. I'll just go with it. Um, so my number four is a track called Manito. Um, but it's the 12-inch version, which was on the 2002 re-release of At War with Satan. Um, I think it sounds more evil than the original version. It has this kind of reverb over, um, what's what's it called, uh, multi-track kind of like overlay where the, the vocals are more distorted and kind of evil sounding. And it's just something about it. that's really cool. Um, I had heard the, the regular version before and I, I went through, you know, quite a bit of their catalog and it, something about this one just really stuck out to me. I thought it was very cool. Um, my number three is at war with Satan from at war with Satan. Um, 21 minute epic, very cool. We mentioned the preview um at the end of Black Metal. Uh, I wasn't expecting what I heard, you know, because i I just heard that little preview, and I thought it was very cool. but um and then seeing something about seeing in the catalog that they had a twenty one minute song, I was like, I gotta listen to this." And I ended up really enjoying it. I tend to like longer songs, um you know when i when I was a big fan of Opeth, I still do like them, but Um, There was a time where I was really into them. Some of those really long songs that they had in their early catalog just stuck out to me. And I, you know, find those kind of epic tracks enjoyable. Uh, My number two is Countess Bathory off of black metal. Like I said, I think this is a really strong track, really interesting. It, it kind of sets the vibe for who they would be and what they would, they would write in later albums and um, something about it was, it just really stuck out to me that this was a, this was like a higher level of, of writing for them. Um, And my number one was to Helen back. Uh, I just think that's an awesome track that the actual chorus to it, uh, you know, it's so simple, but it just, the way he sings it just with so much attitude. Like I just, I really like
0: that track. Cool. So you stayed all classic era.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I listened to the, some of the later stuff and I wasn't finding as much that I enjoyed. Um, it's kind of surprising me because, you know me, I, I end up oftentimes finding a lot of late era stuff with these bands that I'm like, this, that's really cool. But for the most part, I, I kind of stayed within those first few albums that I enjoyed a bit more.
0: Gotcha. Now, for for a lot of people who don't know a lot about Venom out there, um, right now, currently, in 2023, there exists two different Venom bands, um, both of which contain original members from this Venom that we're talking about tonight. Um, Venom uh, contains uh, Conrad Cronus on it and has two additional members that are playing. And then there's Venom Inc., which contains, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mantis, Jeffrey Dunn, and Tony Demolition Dolan, who was the second bass player singer for Venom. And so it's a very interesting thing that's going on. They're Venom, Inc., and then, you know, you have the original Venom. So I didn't, you know, listen to anything from Venom, Inc. Um, I didn't
1: either. I didn't didn't really consider it to be, even though, They are a version of Venom. I didn't consider it to be the same.
0: Yeah. And it was just weird because like you can almost say, well, look, you got the original guitar player and you have, and you have a bass player singer who was in for a long period of time. So it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, yes or no. Well, I didn't, I didn't bother. Um, For me, I did listen to some of the newer stuff and I found one song that I liked. So that's actually my number four song. Um, and that is the song 100 miles to hell. And that comes off their latest album, storm the gates. I thought that was a pretty cool song. I was like, man, I got to give something new a chance. And I was like, all right, I'm listening to this song. I'm listening to that song. And like, no, no, that's not doing it. And then this one caught my ear and I'm like, okay, if it's catching my ear and it's sitting and, and I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. Then I'm thinking this is a pretty good song. Listen to the whole thing. Not bad. Um, production. Woo, much better. much better but still not like perfectly better but much better than it used to be um but then from three to one i go back to the classic era uh number three for me is welcome to hell uh it's it's just got a cool vibe to it um it's it's basically the second song it's it's the, the song after the autobiography this one's saying hey join the ranks welcome come aboard let's go you know so I thought that was pretty cool. Song number two is just the same as your song number two is Countess Bathory. Um, it's just you know, like it was just a step ahead, it was a step above, it was a big move forward for them at that time. So my number one song is I have it on a seven-inch picture disc. And it is the same as the same version that's on the 12 inch that came out. And that is is your number four song, Manitou. And that song I heard on a radio show, I believe it was heavy metal from hell. Um, No, because heavy metal from hell didn't start until 1987. And I heard this song before that. So I heard it somewhere on the radio and I thought it was really cool. And I went out and I got, what I could find, which was a seven inch version because why it wasn't on an album. So I got it. I thought it was as cool a song for years, for years. I looked for it on a CD and I found it on a, uh, some sort of greatest hits type of thing for venom. And it wasn't the same version. I was so disappointed. I'm like, wow! Well, I want my version. And the 12 inch version is the one that, that you like is the one that I like. Uh, it's a really cool song. Uh, that's my number one Venom song. Oh, okay. I'm kind of surprised by that. Why? Yeah,
1: it, it is a really cool song. Like something about it just very, uh, like just
0: drew me in. You know. I was trying. I was trying to f- get some more background information on the song because they don't have it on the album. So when you look at the albums, it doesn't list it. Yeah. But on the, it it shows it listed on the bonus tracks. So I I looked up Venom, Manitou, and I'm like, okay, um, what is about this? So I think it was in Encyclopedia Metallicum or something like that, or whatever is the Metallium Encyclopedia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It goes into that one, and and the review on the song is so awesome, talking about how it's such a different song and it's recorded well and all sorts of different things. It was such a, positive review i'm like oh this is really cool i and it's not because of the review i love the song from when i was a kid so um but i was so disappointed when i couldn't find it on the cd i was like come on so and i never ended up getting uh oh no wait hold on a second i think i do have at war with satan hold on ah yes i do have at war with satan and oddly enough my version which is the 2009 remaster has Manitou's the second song, hmm. and okay. that's totally way off because see, so Manitou's the second song, the Rip Ride, Genocide, Cry Wolf, Stand Up and Be Counted, Women Leather in Hell. Then it has a song called Woman, and then R. So Woman was I think the the B side to the single that came out on Manitou, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, so my my version is a little different. My CD weird. Yeah. But anyway. So I bought those CDs because I was like, you know what? I'm going to get the original three and I, na- I don't think I have, I have one more venom CD and that's it. And then that was that greatest hits So I was trying to find my song. Anyway, this was a pretty cool episode. I thought, uh, we, we did venom justice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> certainly different. I mean, it, it, Sometimes it's really cool to go over these bands that I'm not as familiar with and kind of listen to something different. So I gained a new respect for
0: Venom. Well, look at you go. (laughs) All right. Well, that's our big four Venom songs, and that brings an end to this episode of Debating Metal. Remember, you can listen to us every week on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Pandora, and literally every other platform out there. So click like or subscribe. You will not be disappointed. And don't forget, you can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can send us an
1: email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. If you listen to us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment and ring that bell to be notified when we post a new episode. And remember to tune in next week when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya!